Hey everybody, welcome to a special episode for us. This is episode 50 for the Rich State of Mind podcast. Awesome milestone for us. It's been a great first year for this podcast. But in this interview, I am talking to Julie Holly, very special individual. She's the founder of Three Keys Investment, and she also is the host of the podcast, Ask Me How I Know. And the reason why this is a special guest is because she has such a teaching spirit, one that I do appreciate. Uh, we're able to break down syndication. We're able to talk about purpose and profit, where you can make it a win-win for you and tenants. It's definitely possible. Don't ever pigeonhole yourself into thinking that the only you can win is the landlord uh, in cash flow scenarios. And so please enjoy this video. I think you can get a lot of information from it, a lot of positive vibes, and maybe some good ideas and rental assistance for your tenants. Thank you for listening. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. Well, thank you, Julie, for taking this time this evening. Uh, I think I love your energy already starting off until we can laugh and giggle a little bit. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so I am a multifamily investor. I kind of call myself the everything person because I have uh, dual careers as a public school educator for 13 years. Um, and I was also a real estate investor because that was what my family did. Um, and I, I found multifamily like apartment syndication at the same time as I was wrapping up my teaching career. And what happened was I launched a robotics team and I essentially syndicated their, um, their way to the world championship and show in Houston, Texas, which is a huge deal for small town kids in far North Idaho. And um, it just gave me a, the confidence, like, wait a second, if I could change these little like eight and nine year old lives in this way, what more could I do? out there for adults as well. So it was like multifamily syndication just is that winning for everybody that I really like. And so what is uh, syndication? What's syndicating? That is such a good word. Okay, so I don't know about you, but all of my, like my friends, they really, for the longest time, and most of them still don't really get it. They're like, what do you do? So here's how I like to explain syndication. I like to think that we've all syndicated something before. Like, have you ever chipped in on a gift? 
Mm-hmm. right like five ten bucks or something like oh yeah, yeah. hey we want to get someone so a gift want to get mom a gift whatever it is but wow you know that new iphone's more than i, ha- I have in the budget so we all pull it pull our money to do something bigger than one of us so ultimately like at the very like base level i consider that syndication and in that you have say maybe if i'm the one that's going to get the gift and i'm collecting the money now i'm the operator And I'm like the general partner right there. And so people are, you know, all my other family members, whoever's chipping in, they're giving me the money and they're trusting me. The people giving me the money, those are what we call passive investors. They're limited partners. They really, they're not going to have a voice on, I get to the store to buy the iPhone for mom or whatever. And they have five color choices available. Well, those passive investors, everybody who gave me the money, they're not with me helping make that decision, right? So I'm going to make that decision as an operator. I'm going to be thoughtful and meticulous. And they're trusting me to make the best decision. So really at the base level, that is no different with apartment syndication. So apartment syndication, we have a model where we have some active investors. We call them the general partners. And those people are actually just working together, um, putting the pieces together and actually doing the heavy lifting. And they can't do it on their own. So they go out to other people and they gather and collect some extra funds, some extra money. We all call it funds in this, in the, you know, investing space because we want to sound fancy. I don't know. (laughs) So we grab that money and they don't say anything. They just collect all the benefits of being invested in that. Just like if you were chipping in for the iPhone for mom, she's going to love on you and be like, oh my gosh, you thank you so much. This is the best gift ever. So you get all the benefits as a passive investor without any of the heavy lifting. And on the active side, you get to um, actually follow through with an investment that you want. That is the best breakdown of syndication I've ever heard, actually. So that's the teacher (laughs) side of you. It's the teacher side of me. (laughs) I'm like, let's just break everything down into the simplest terms possible. Sometimes I use a pizza. (laughs) Oh, okay. I like that. Yep. Yep. Definitely. That's definitely a throwback there for me. So so, so syndication, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I think when it comes to big deals, people get really intimidated and they think they have to do it all by themselves. And some people, wow. uh, maybe they're a little, you know, not necessarily control freaks, but they want to control the whole thing and not have to worry about everybody else's inputs or ideas and stuff like that. Uh, and so as the operator, uh, what, are, what are the other, and you have the operator and then the other passive investors, what other roles uh, are needed in order for, to make this happen? Oh, wow. Okay. So that's a good, I always like to think of four basic roles, right? You have um, someone who's raising the capital. That's my, that I lean towards and gravitate towards. Um, and so I'm out there looking for the investors who want to passively invest and say, hey, you know, I have this opportunity. And then we have the person on the team that is the asset manager. Well, let me back up. We'll get to that person in a minute. Then we have acquisitions. And acquisitions just means a fancy way of the, you know, the person that's sniffing out the deals and hunting them down. You know, it's like, you know, the go-getter. And they have a lot of broker relationships so that we have what we call deal flow so that um, we're constantly underwriting deals. Just like anyone who's bought a single family home, you know, the house that you live in that we all call single family. Well, if you've bought one of those, you probably didn't get the very first house that you wrote an offer on. And so you have to have multiple houses to look at and to shop for 
Same thing true with apartments. And so having someone who's strong with acquisitions and strong relationships with brokers so that you can have opportunities coming your way is really important. And then we have the operations person. And the operations, they are in charge of, um, you know, just overseeing the general business, making sure everything is on track, doing what it needs to do. And then we have our asset manager. So um, the asset manager is similar to the operations, but they are actually taking care of that specific property or in fancy terms, right? As we change our vocabulary, like the asset. So property and asset are just the same word, interchangeable. <laughs> I actually it. did a little, a little spiel on like synonyms, you know, words sound like they're similar. They mean the same thing, you know, well, they're actually not synonyms, but like you have words that mean the same thing. And it's like, why do we have to have five words, five ways of saying, yes. you know, right. money? capital funds what i all it's the, the same, same thing, thing when uh it's the same thing when i talk to a, my money lender and he's like yeah points and i'm like talking about the interest yeah 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 <laughs> like okay <laughs> you're like we just why do we have to speak different languages <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i guess we get bored with our language and we start making up new words for the same thing right and so it's obviously right with syndication you're dealing in, in big uh multifamily uh, projects, why do you consider multifamily such a powerful wealth building strategy? Wow. Okay. You know, before we go there, can I circle back to our last question? Yeah. Yeah. Because sure. you asked me, let me circle back to that. Cause you asked, um, and I didn't answer it fully. One, one problem is not a problem. One thing many people have to overcome is that, um, very Western nature of, I can do this myself. And one of the elements of multifamily investing is really coming together and collaborating in a team, in a team like way. And it's a really critical, for instance, I was on the phone with um, someone this morning, just getting a second set of eyes. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this deal. Here's what it's penciling out to be like. They're not part of the deal. It's someone that I know I like, and I trust implicitly that I also know has my back and will say, that's not a good deal. What are you thinking? Right. <laughs> and then I'm texting all afternoon as I'm, I'm putting something together, um, a very unique project. And I'm trying to put this together. Meanwhile, I'm texting with somebody who's done it before you see, like with real estate in general, real estate is all about, um, almost like Western expansion. Like it's all like the wild West. There, there are so many different ways you can accomplish things. And that also means there are so many ways that you can go wrong. And unless if you have relationships with other people that you trust, who've been there, done that, you can really um, prevent some losses and some critical damage. So I want to make that like, really, it's really important. It's something I had to come to terms with. I went an entire year and set myself back an entire year just because I thought I could do it myself. And it's like, I can't do the job of four people on my, on my own. Well, I can, it's going to be a slower process. And then I have a ton of blind spots. And yes. that means that my investors in harm's way. And I don't want to do that. And so you broke down uh, how to be more effective uh, when it comes to that, because yes, we can do four things, but uh, how good are we going to be if we're trying to stretch ourselves that thin and with projects that big? Yeah, you're right. It does require uh, you know, checks and balances and people simply focusing on one particular role responsibility. So I appreciate you uh, breaking that yeah. down.
uh, like that. Yeah, sorry. I'm like, I knew when I was answering earlier, I wanted to touch on that. Um, and I joke around and I say, I am a woman, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I was a teacher by nature. I am obviously, I like, in general, there is a lot of control issues that could probably come up, right? So, you know, it's good. It's really important to release the control, to surrender, and to say, I don't have to do this on my own. And my greatest strength is when I am linked with other people, which ironically goes back to Lego robotics, which is we're stronger when we work together. Which actually, so I'll go back a little bit too before I go into the multi uh, family wealth building strategy. Uh, what did, did you start off your real estate investing career in syndicating or did you start with buying, holding a single family home? We, we started out house hacking, essentially. It didn't mm. have that name back in the day and everything, but my husband and I had this heart where we thought, you know, we'd really like to be able to support people that are, um, you know, in some transitions in life. And if we have assets of our own, if we have our own properties, we can control those and we can determine who our residents are. And um, through that process, we just, honestly, we're just being simple. We're like, hey, you know what? We both like to live a simple, modest lifestyle, you know, go out and travel, but live a modest lifestyle. And so why don't we just, you know, fix up a house and then move on to another house and rent that one out. And so that was, that was our model. You know, it's like, okay, we'll just fix this up. At one point I had a roommate um, on the first one that I didn't, I wasn't married and everything. So, you know, you kind of do these things. Um, that's how I began prior to that though. I, I have a whole family lineage that is in residential real estate and residential I was always told like, oh, the commercial, you know, stay away from commercial, stay away from commercial. And now I'm like, oh, why did they tell me to stay away from commercial? This is the most amazing group of people on the planet. Why would they tell you to stay away from commercial? You know, I am not sure why. Um, and unfortunately, my dad has passed away. And so I can't ask him. I know that I believe, I, I believe wholeheartedly because he I, I'm very similar to him I think if he knew what I know now he would have become a commercial agent or been very active in the commercial space I think it's a lack of knowledge um, and it, you see how other people do it and you think oh and maybe it just doesn't look glamorous or maybe it looks too complicated right we project a lot of things onto people when we watch them from afar and we You're don't right. ask questions exactly and, and I think that that's what holds us back a lot is uh, what we don't know. Yeah. Especially like to me, you know, a flip was intimidating, you know, because there's so many variables, there's so many checks and balances you have to do with that. There's so many things that could go wrong. And then the, la the last thing you want is to do a flip and then you end up underneath the, you know, underneath everything that you invested. Especially if you have hard money on the line. <laughs> exactly. Right? Oh my God. And you know what? I've been blessed because I, you know, the hard money lenders I've come across, they have always, every time I discuss with them before I get started, um, hey, you know, what's, you know, when it comes to your bridge loans or any, you know, hard money that you provide, what's the, you know, the length? And they'll say, hey, 12 months. And if you need more than that, as long as you communicate with us and, you know, yeah. we can see progress, we're willing to work with you. So the community, I would say that for the most part, the community is very understanding and definitely always business. But I think everybody's in it. It's a win-win for usually most people, right? So Yep. Hey, we'll work with you because at the end of the day, you'll win. We'll win. You know what I'm saying? 
You know, the, I think the other benefit to that as well is um, they don't want to lose money and they're looking at, they're evaluating the deal. And so anytime I think that there's debt on the line, you know, either a hard money lender or, um, you know, Freddie or Fannie or something, you know, agency debt, whatever the debt is, if they've signed off on that, that means they believe in the deal, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I am onto something. It just wasn't something in my head. <laughs> yes, yes. You're right. And that's, that is key. Uh, they are, they believe in it. So, hey, well, I'm willing to work with you because the numbers you showed me, or maybe when I came and checked out, you know, the place myself, I believe in this as well. Uh, and it kind of goes back to uh, what you were talking about as far as having that team that you could rely on. I think that's been people, a lot of people's kind of things that they stumble on is having a team of reliable individuals. Um, I'm not sure how you are when it comes to work ethic, but my fiance and I, we are very particular. And so we've ran across, we've had to filter out a lot of people through this process of, nope, nope, you're not cutting it. You're not cutting it. Uh, and it can get frustrating sometimes because not expecting you know perfection, uh, but we do expect excellence and communication. Along, you can go a long way with us and in business if you communicate uh, ahead of time or we plan uh, because there we still work full time. So I have we still have other responsibilities, uh, and I can't. If you say nine o'clock uh, and then you come at nine forty-five, you missed the window. <laughs> the, the ship has sailed. Well, and isn't that why most people have an aversion or many to working with teams? It's like, well. I might as well just do the job myself because I mean, they're just going to fail at it. And then I'm going to have to go and do it anyway. That's an excuse a lot of people use instead of really vetting who you're working with and under, and making sure you're in alignment. I love the people that I uh, am partnered up with. And I am really, I'm very particular because here's something that a lot of people, and I don't think that you're one of these, but a lot of people, when they're starting out, they forget that you're not just doing a quick transaction. This isn't just, oh yeah, we're flipping a house and we're going to be done in six months. When you're talking about syndicating a, an apartment asset to go full cycle, you're looking at typically a minimum of three years. And really we're looking at a longer wow. time frame at this point. So it's not like you're looking for some, you know, like uh, somebody that you're just going to, you know, quick go grab a cup of coffee with. It's like, oh yeah, you know what? We're going to be joined at the hip and we're going to exactly. be on call, regular calls. So we better, you know, trust each other implicitly. I, I need to, I need to lie to you, you know, I need to actually like you and I need to <laughs> yes. know that you're going to show up and do the job. <laughs> but if we don't like each other, let's just not work together. Too many people no. out there. <laughs> to, yes, I, to I do. do agree. <laughs> I do agree with that. There was a meme that I saw where it says when you and your, it's these two people fake smiling at each other. And it says when you and your real estate agent don't like each other, but you keep closing deals together. <laughs> and you know, that relationship, that relationship works, you know, with the real estate agent, because you're not having, it's like, it's a transaction. But when you're talking about, you know, a syndication and having to have all of your, um, you know, your distribution's done and your K-1's done and you're, you know, communicating with your investors and you're making sure that business plans executed. Like you're in a lot, a high communication level. You better like each other. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and, and so now we'll transition over to, so why did you decide that uh, multifamily was going to be the most powerful wealth building tool for you? Right. So 
I, I'm a little um, flip flop from a lot of investors, right? So I really believe in purpose and profits. Um, I believe that you can have everything and everyone can win. You just need to be smart about it. So when I first heard about apartment syndication, I was listening to Bigger Pockets. I heard Monique Holm and she was the first woman I heard on Bigger Pockets, and she she um, laid out what syndication is, and I was blown away. And I thought this is amazing because the investors win, the operators win, the community wins, and what I think most importantly, equal equal to my investors would be the residents win. And so every single person wins when a syndication is done right. The returns are there as well as um, all the kind of philanthropic elements that are going to empower our community to grow in a positive way. Yes. So that was what really attracted me to it. It's like, okay, I can, I can not only get a profit off of my money that I'm putting in, but I'm also going to be doing something really powerful in a community when I do this the right way. And when we talk about the profit part and the wealth building part, oh my goodness, the sky is the limit. Yeah, no, really, <laughs> um, there, it really is. <laughs> it, it really is. And, and there are so many strategies depending on the way someone's um, structured in life. You know, it's particularly if you have um, a, a couple, you know, who's, who's committed and everything. Like if you have that and somebody can be the real estate professional, the opportunity to um, gain and capitalize on all the tax deductions is through the roof. And when you're looking at how much money you spend in the real world, um, what's the like a huge chunk of our um, income goes towards taxes. And there's a reason why the wealthy stay wealthy. They figure out not loopholes. And so I'm going to clarify that because a lot of people think like, oh, you're just trying to shortchange people. Well, no, there are these tax codes and that's those tax codes are incentives for us to go and put our money in specific places. And when we play that game, when we understand that tax code and we play that play that game, if you will, it's not a game. But when we you know, follow those tax codes and those rules, we're rewarded for it. Yeah, the government is win. just telling you the government is only just advertising to you what they want you to do. So it helps out the economy and it helps you. And if you do those things, they, they provide a service. So yeah, you're right. We got to get out of the habit of saying loopholes and really just, uh, we are just adjusting to what the government says, hey, we will provide an incentive if you do the X, Y, and Z. So moving forward, quite frankly, over the next, uh, throughout this current administration, and it's not a, there's no political part here. Every administration has something that they favor Mm -hmm. comparatively to others. And so yes. I'm curious moving forward, maybe uh, we'll see more green investments, maybe, you know, doing some more uh, energy efficient moves, which is already a really important element to do, but there might be even further tax incentives towards um, accomplishing those things on a property, you know, moving forward. So it's interesting, you have to pay attention and have people in that are guiding and directing you again, going back to that team mentality. It's like, do you have a tax advisor that really understands the code for real estate? So they can advise you and say, Hey, here's some strategies you can use on your on your property. Yeah, because um, you don't know what you don't know, especially when I've learned when it comes to taxes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> because, <so true. laughs> there, there's so many things that I realized. I'm like, I would have never even thought of that. But OK, I will take it. 
Right. So true. And when I think about the um, wealth building, I like building wealth in a multitude of ways. So I have um, got knocked around a little bit on some alternative you know, investments uh, because I went down that rabbit hole a bit earlier this year. So I got knocked around, but I liked having like, oh, I have this other basket here and this basket here. And now I have multi and, you know, here's my multifamily that I've had and everything serves its purpose. And within multifamily, being able to make, you know, to produce an income in multiple ways is really powerful. So being able to have um, the distributions, which oftentimes are distributions, you know, just if you're listening and you're like, what's a distribution, you know, that's just, hey, here's your payout. Here's it's not a handout, but you know, they're just, they're giving you money. It's not giving you the business is making a profit. It's working well. And now you're being rewarded for it. Well, here's your percentage. Here's your share of the pie. And so, you know, getting those quarterly distributions is definitely a nice perk. Having the um, tax advantages. If you're listening, I think a lot of people forget that if you can save on taxes, even if you're not getting liquid cash to you, if you can decrease your income tax liability, you just made money because you're not paying that in taxes. So there's another way, right? Yeah, it's like this little flip-flop way of looking at it, right? It it is, it is. Yeah, and then we have the appreciation of the property. And so just like we buy houses and we own them for five, 10, whatever years, and they go up in value and then we sell them and we take that money and reinvest it. That's great. Same thing happens with apartments. And then the last thing I love is the depreciation. And if we do a cost segregation on a property, which when I got my K-1 this year, I was like, dang, that depreciation, if you, depending, and you have to look, I'm not a CPA, I'm not advising anybody, all those asterisks, but that depreciation <laughs> yeah. can travel with you. You can take that back and adjust some taxes. Go talk to your tax advisor. You can <laughs> yeah. carry that forward. So if I can only, if I only need 15,000 in deductions and I have a $50,000 deduction, the rest of that is going to travel with me into the future to continue yes. to reduce my taxes. No, yes, and I, dang, I really appreciate you breaking that down because the taxes are really confusing uh, to a lot of people and yeah. we don't know what we are allowed to either deduct or what we are entitled to when we start investing in these properties where we switch them to an LLC, but go up to a S-Corp. Uh, there are so many uh, nooks and crannies. That has also been a uh, chopping block for Mira and I as we've been looking for a good CP, uh, CPA uh we went through two someone for you (laughs) oh great um because yeah we could use one so i'm big on some the reason why i appreciate you so much because you had that teaching that teaching spirit right (laughs) and so i'm big on if i tell you come to you and say hey julie these are the things that i would like to do this is this is my these are my assets you know this is my you know how much liquid cash i have and this is my expenses throughout the year help me Right. I know I know these things. So my expectation is if you know, I know these five things, then you to take one of those five things, branch out on one of those five things and teach me more. Uh, Mm -hmm. That way I'm more educated in the process. I'm not looking to be an expert, but for you to go the extra mile and and take what I know and branch out a little bit on it and say also on top of that, you could be your entire X, Y and Z. And did you know about the other things? So uh, if, if your CPA does that, oh be a godsend 
Um, and pe- more people well, need to, I wish we would like that. And here's what I, I'll add to that is, for example, I know, so you could have, say, an LLC or an S Corp or blah, 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 right? All of those, if you're listening, those are all called entities, right? And the entity that you are choosing, it's going to change as your income changes, as your business changes. And so Mm -hmm. having a partnership and alliance with someone who really understands those nuances and understands your goals is going to help get you where you want to go faster in your wealth building. So my, my team, and it's really amazing. So you have people like Tom Wheelwright out there and, and he handles, you know, his, his uh, platform is, you know, I mean, he reduces people's tax liabilities, you know, tries to get them, you know, down to zero if possible. Um, And that is, I found a boutique firm and that's what they do, but they do it specifically just for entrepreneurs and they have a CPA in-house. They have, you know, um, life insurance, which is another strategy for building wealth um, and then pouring that into, well, right. There are different ways, right? So you have to have like the right people to understand how to write that policy. So they have everybody in-house. They have an attorney in-house. So they're all speaking the same language about you. And so having a team, right? We have our our syndication team and then you have your team for your wealth management because you don't know what you don't know. Don't leave, don't leave anything on the, you know, you don't want to leave anything on the table. Right. I don't want to leave anything on the table when it comes to paying taxes. Oh, no. But I I also have to do something that's, you know, also not in a gray area, but (laughs) do things the right way. (laughs) No, I'm big on that when it comes to money. I think that it always kind of comes back on you. Uh, You take from a pot. There's no pot that has an infinite amount of money. You're taking from somebody or something that, and somebody or something is impacted by that. So, I, I believe in not doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, wow, you just want to get out of, out of paying taxes or something like actually me having control over my money and being able to, you know, put my money into the economy is a very powerful force. And the more people who have control over their, their funds and can put them back into the economy, that's what stimulates our economy and keeps it running in a powerful way. Well, it's a mind switch. So the, the individual that probably thinks like that, nine times out of 10, I've heard them that I've heard people talk like that. They're not providing a service to the economy, to the community. You are providing a service. You are providing people with homes, which is probably one of the biggest services you could possibly give somebody. <laughs> so I do believe that if I'm providing a service, I am allowed to have a tax break. <laughs> yep. Yep. So you that's have a really good point. No, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, a lot of times when it comes to the maybe it's Americans, but because uh, as I've gone, I've, I've traveled around the world, and I see how different people, how different cultures behave. I've noticed that we we tend to uh, maybe have this little bit of entitlement, like, well, how come they get that? But then, like, we're not really looking at what this person is doing. Uh, and so they, I find I find that easy for us to kind of fall into that uh this greedy rich person it's not it's not the case i'm not gonna I don't say it care that you, and it is a it is a mindset so if you're abundance mindset good for jeff bezos keep going man <laughs> like elon <laughs> musk 
sky's the limit keep going past pluto whatever you know like yeah 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 <laughs> somebody else having more doesn't mean i have to have less there's plenty to go around oh yeah oh yeah for yeah. sure and so uh with the team that you've been able to build uh was network was networking uh something you had to grow into or you naturally had that had that skill really is that a question okay <laughs> no that was something that really came naturally to me um i love people i love seeing people succeed i love getting to know people and what's important to them and things so that part came naturally but i'm also a very trusting person and i i believe the best in people and i see the potential right i'm a i'm a teacher like so so that's what it takes to be an elementary school teacher is see the best and see the potential and all that and so you know there had to be uh, i had to learn to filter a bit and to say okay people are great and all of that but i need to see who's is in alignment with me who can who can we walk i can walk with in harmony if you will so that we are going towards the same goal at the same pace in the same way, sometimes a little faster or slower, right? But you have to have um, very like-minded people. And so uh, with you having the like-minded people around you and with your such natural ability to network, how do you, what leadership uh, traits do you think you have that allows your people to continuously produce? You know, the traits I think that are strongest would be um, vision, being able to see the opportunity. And this is interesting. I, I always thought like, uh, you know, I'm not calling myself a visionary, although I guess why not, you know, <laughs> but it's like being able to see something, even though it's not there. But the frustrating part for me is I can see it, but I don't know how to do it. Like right now, I, I'm literally like, working on this project on my notepad, doing this text message, trying to figure a project out and, um, and being, I have to rely on other people. I can see it, but I can't bring it to life unless I'm communicating with others. So, so being able to see something is really great and being able to communicate that effectively to others so that they can see it and they can believe it and they're excited and they want to go for that. And then to just keep that fuel alive by encouraging people and you know, I mean, you miss out on, on LOIs, LOIs, just the same thing as writing an offer to buy something. Right. And so you, you've got to keep morale up. And, um, I say, those are, those are some of my greatest leadership strengths. I haven't really thought about that though. That's great. <laughs> no, I, cause I think that, uh, that's kind of the, the main, the maintenance, uh, the networking part, it starts the relationship. And I'm able to, if we like each other, you know, that definitely helps. And we'll start it off a bit, let's just say the first three to six months. But uh, I think the maintenance, especially when you're the operator in a situation is the leadership. And if you, the leadership is great, you know, these people will be, you know, moving like clockwork. And uh, that's something that we talk about bits and pieces. You hear a lot of real estate investment podcasts. You hear one talk about the numbers, the other person talks about the mindset uh, and then maybe somebody else may talk about leadership, but, uh, but bringing it all together and tr you have to kind of be maybe not a master of it all, but have a good enough grasp yeah, on page. each. Yes. Have, have a good enough grasp on each skill set so that you can be able to manage because as you grow, uh, obviously your responsibilities grow unless you just end up being, you know, <clears throat> stepping away and you take your shares and you call it a day. 
right? Yeah, I'm not planning on doing that. <laughs> so, I love what I do. I love what I love what I do. And so when you know that you're you're walking in your purpose and you're walking in alignment with what you feel called to do, there's so much satisfaction and you just don't want to quit. No, and I could see the satisfaction in the profit with the purpose. Am I saying that right? Or is it purpose with a profit? Profit with a purpose. I, you know, I mix purpose and profits. Yeah. Purpose and profits. I, I really love that uh, that concept. I like the fact that, yes, does it take a little bit of extra mile, a little extra thought process to help these individuals? Uh, yes, it does. And is it, do some, a lot of people go into it with a negative kind of, you know, a negative mindset because of the uh, stigma that has been put on it, you know, put on them. But I think it's, you're doing double, like the double help because a lot of people, they're like, Hey, I just want to make my money call a day. Really not trying to deal with a bunch of drama, but when you put the humanities uh, into it, where it's like, Hey, these, these individuals, they need help. And I have the assets and the ability to help them. Uh, I think that's, I think that's an awesome uh, concept, which actually brings me to my next question. How, what programs uh, are you connected with to where you're able to find these individuals you can help them? Well, this is interesting um, because I launched the, so I'll answer this in more of a roundabout way probably. So because I had this vision and it was a vision of, okay, the whole reason I got into real estate investing in the very get-go was because it would serve um, my husband and I ultimately down the road as we retired, right? Passive income when we, you know, are beyond those years where we want to work physically and everything. And then also I knew I could help people by providing a quality home for them to live in. That was a, the Genesis dream back in my mid twenties. And then it never died, never faded. We got out of the single family space. We get into multifamily and I was kind of told by by, by people, like you can't have purpose and profits. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And then through my podcast, I interviewed somebody and it was like, you're doing it. And so it really unlocked this whole other part of me where it was like, wait a second, here's my role model. In fact, that's who I was texting with or, you know, throughout the day, you know, getting some advice on this big project and um, which would be a huge solution to a community. I mean, like just ginormous workforce housing solution. Um, so anyhow, you have to have some role models along the way, but to be and then through that, I end up make creating with uh, another partner, Camilla Jeffs, we end up creating the impact investing network. So it's like, I had this dream. I had this vision. I wanted to do something. I didn't know how I didn't stop searching for it. And then all the things come to me. And then I, the right partner comes along and that network is designed impact investing network is simply designed as, um, as a place for people who want to accomplish purpose and profits come together, mix the ideas because how you go about that is so varied. So today we had our very first think tank session. So we're not calling right. it a mastermind group and we're not calling it a, um, What's the other one? It's not a meetup group. It's there. We're there to really help each other out round table style to swap ideas. Okay. Well, you're working with Litech. Okay. What is Litech? How does that work? 
What are yeah. some of the challenges that come with that? Okay, you're, how did you find these organizations to work with in the community? How did you partner to get tax breaks? You know, like, so being able to come together and swap and exchange ideas is super powerful because there isn't a cookie cutter way. Although part of my vision is to create like a blueprint that people can can reproduce across the country. So I saw not to elongate this too long, but I grew up outside San Francisco, meaning Modesto, which is way inland. But when the housing market would boom, all of the people from the Bay Area, they would move into the Central Valley and our housing prices would go through the roof. And then when the housing market would crash, it would recede, they'd go back. Mm -hmm. I saw what happened with the expansion and contraction in San Francisco and the entire Bay Area. Then I lived in Denver and I watched what happened on Denver's front range. And anyone who knows anything about Denver knows that the front range has exploded, but that creates problems. And I'm invested in Huntsville, Alabama, and I can see that taking place. And that was like, okay, I really need to find a solution because I don't want this same challenge to come to this community, this other community. And what if we can find a solution that works here? Why couldn't it work in other communities with slight iterations to it? So you really start bringing people together. Um, and ultimately, like our goal is to people purpose, profit and planet. So we want to do this globally. And we want to um, bring this think tank together in a powerful way. Yeah, I heard that on your podcast that you want to do that uh, globally. And I was like, wow, that is so ambitious. And it's yeah. interesting when it comes to uh, success mindset, you you hear somebody else say, oh, I want to do something globally. And you're like, man, I was just happy if I did something with down, down the street, <laughs> you know, like, and uh, I, I love it. Right. Because I think you are only held back by your mind. Obviously, if you, you know, obviously, you know, you can't fly or have superpowers, but other than that stuff like that, crazy stuff like that, if you got the mindset, there's a lot you could do in this world. And so when you were talking about having challenges, were you talking about like in a Denver market, the rents going up really high, like at oh such a fast pace, people couldn't keep up with it, the income. So you have that. And really what ends up happening is, um, you're what we call work, workforce housing. My husband was asking me about this the other day. He's like, what does that actually mean, right? He didn't know, he's my husband, right? He's like, what is workforce housing? And he actually asked me, he's like, is it a derogatory term? Like, what does that actually mean? I don't wanna go around using this word, which I appreciate about him, if, if it's you know <laughs> yeah. not a great word. And I said, you know, it's not a derogatory term. It's a way to just kind of um, classify the group of people who are working. So maybe they're working at the ski resort. Maybe they're working at a restaurant. Maybe they're working at the grocery store oh, and they're making, okay. you know, the minimum wage, you know, somewhere around minimum wage. They're not in career positions or if they are, they might be at the beginning of their career, a grocery store for sure. You know, like you can start out and work your way on up and everything. So, you know, it's really like looking at what happens to those people. So last year during the pandemic, um, in a particular community where I'm looking to do a, a really cool project. Um, hopefully it works out. But in that community, they the, the rents have gone through the roof. The housing prices are through the roof. And the workforce can't afford to live there. So what happens? The grocery store doesn't have enough employees because nobody's there to hire. It's not just 
oh, well, the government's paying everyone and they're just staying at home. That's not always what's taking place. Sometimes when you have this disruption with the housing and the housing, the affordability, now you have another problem on your hands. So really like the problem that I want to solve for communities personally, which is different than some other people in our impact investing network, but the problem I want to solve is how do we keep workforce, uh, the workforce in the community? How do we keep them integrated in the community? How do we make this so that their quality of life isn't compromised simply because, um, you know, they're working at the grocery store and they're at the beginning of something, you know, they doesn't mean they need to live in some trashy place. They should live in a nice place and people yes. who live in nice places respond in nice ways <laughs> and they, they have do. a different demeanor about things. And that improves the community's well-being in general. So nine times out of 10, I've, I have personally experienced what that is to be true. And it actually makes me think about how I've dealt with a couple of contractors where they felt like uh, because of the, the area that it did not deserve to have a particular um, standard. Finish. Yes, <laughs> because uh, I also, I deal with a lot of rental assistance programs in the, uh, the communities that I invest in. So uh, we have a HUD, Section 8. Uh, we have a local program called Four Kids uh, that help, oh. uh, it helps. I assume you have to have kids because every single person that's, a, that's applied has been a single mother. Uh, they get based off their income, maybe, maybe they're on maternity leave and their job is not going to pay them or uh, because of COVID, right? Uh, they are evaluated based off the income that they have from their job and that their job will let them come back eventually. And this program will uh, subsidize or completely take care of their rent all the way up until they get back into that job. So I personally- That is I, so cool. <laughs> No, yeah, it's a process, but I do, I don't mind it. Like I personally talk to the caseworkers for each of my tenants on the, uh, whatever's going on with the tenant. They, they, the caseworker talks to the tenant weekly, checking up on them, making sure everything's good with the kids, them, how's the job going, stuff like that. And then I communicate with the caseworkers as far as, hey, look, what, what's my range? How can we help this individual? How can we, you know, what do we, can we do to help get them to the next month so where they can be able to pay the rent on their own? Uh, so I, Definitely, I'm not doing it at the scale you're doing it, which I would hope to do one day. But I definitely, I'm like you're. You can't, you cannot air this podcast unless you join the Impact Investing Network. The best part is it's free and it's full of amazing people. <laughs> okay, please, yeah. After this, I'll, I'll get the information. Because you're doing it, you're doing it, and that's just it. Is that finding the local organizations? And I don't know, is for kids. Is it just local or is it across yeah, the country? Yeah, I, I, I researched, I did, I actually wrote a blog about them. Uh, they only do it in, in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area. Uh, this particular four kids, I'm pretty sure uh, if you use rentalassistance.us, you're actually able to put in the city or zip code and it will tell you the nonprofit organizations or other entities that are in your area that provide rental assistance like four kids. So you're going to, you're coming, you're going to you're going to help us out at the think the next think tank. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will look forward to it because uh, my uh, my fiance she uh, she she jokes me sometimes about the I rack my brain sometimes and trying to figure out how to change uh, some of the lower income areas and uh, yes, it's uh it's a, it's a challenge. But I, I do find I've gotten connected to this area. I'm not from this area, but I've been stationed out here on and off for like the last twelve years, and I definitely got connected to the area and to the people. And so I do like to see 
Uh, I'm not expecting everybody to be, you know, millionaires, but I, I would like people to be well off and then uh, educated on what their uh, their opportunities in the area uh, as well, so that you don't have to always use this program. You can eventually progress and do uh, different things. Oh my gosh, you're my hero. I love it. I didn't even <laughs> expect to like me another impact invested minded person. So I'm like super stoked on that. <laughs> well, I, I didn't. So it was different hearing. It was refreshing hearing you on your podcast uh, talk about it because I don't and not, not to say real estate investors out there are evil. They don't think about this, uh, but it is refreshing to hear somebody else do it because you are led to believe it is not possible. Uh, and it's just mm -hmm. another headache that you don't want. Cause I'm worried about the faucet breaking or when I got to fix the roof in five years, not trying to help a grown adult, uh, no matter what the situation, uh, just help a grown adult pay their rent or get in, in a house because, uh, a lot of people naturally, Hey, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to make sure I'm good, you know? And I, I understand that, uh, I, I don't and judge people on that. Right. It, it, and it's amazing how many people I speak to that when they realize, wait, my same dollar, Julie, my same dollar can do two jobs. Like that same dollar that you're investing on Wall Street, well, you can invest it into something, you know, one of these real estate assets, you could put it, you know, like you put it into someone's hands who wants impact. And now your dollar is returning an investment and changing a life and serving a community. So it's actually wearing more than two hats. It's wearing so many hats and it's just that same exact dollar. It goes the distance. People are excited about that because a lot of people want change and they don't know how, they don't feel empowered. It's complicated, it's confusing. I mean, I just learned something from you, right? Like, wait, four kids, what? Oh, wait, I can go to this website and find, we were just talking about this at the think tank, you know, like how do we find the best local organization? So, you know, it's like all of these things that you just have to piece together. Well, if you choose the right operator, the right sponsor to invest with, you, it's done. It's a done deal. Well, I think COVID made a lot of people have to get creative and definitely for me, uh, because I was refusing to pay my mortgages out of my own pocket. Uh, so, that's where, uh, <laughs> that's where, cause you know, I don't know how long the moratorium was in Idaho, but you know, we've had hours for like 16 months, something like that. So I don't know how a lot of landlords are paying their mortgages and I get having reserves, but I don't know too many landlords that have 12 months worth of reserves. Or uh, they might have 12, but beyond 12, <laughs> like yeah, any of that, that 12 is like the anomaly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you, you're not expecting that. You're like, all right, bad, bad yeah. six months, maybe, uh, and it may right. be a couple of months. I have to worry about something, but yeah, beyond twelve, I think is is crazy. So it, it forced me to have to get really creative, and I was like, all right, well, time to get really personable uh, with my tenants. Figure out what's the problem. Hey, okay, COVID happened. You out of a job. Okay, what can we do? Oh, this program exists. Okay, and the cool thing is, you can call the city. And say, hey, you know, Ports, you know, one of the cities we deal is Portsmouth. Hey, Portsmouth, uh, city of Portsmouth, these are the things that my tenants have going on. What programs are they, uh, you know, apply, you know, they can apply for. And they'll, they'll go down the line. And unfortunately, I don't know for your cities in Europe, but it's not really advertised. Like, it's not like, boom, like these are the rental assistance programs that we have out there. You know, free money, basically, if, if obviously you meet the requirements. 
and you work with the uh, whoever's you know the caseworker for the project. So uh, maybe that could be something I could look into is figuring out ways to advertise these these programs uh, even post COVID. This is amazing. You're amazing. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that, but you know you can say something. Super amazing by taking that initiative and and not just rolling over and being like, oh, COVID. But I mean, really, truly look at it was a pressure point. It was painful. It was difficult. But dang, that's a diamond to haul out. Yeah, I really appreciate you because uh, I think what you're doing is pretty awesome because it's such a, a grand scale because you you hinted on it a little bit. You talked about how the grocery store didn't have uh, people weren't working at the grocery store, right? Well, what if you provide affordable housing in that area? Then that grocery store would mm -hmm. have more people going to that job. So now you're affecting the local economy positively because I don't know about mm -hmm. you, but it's so annoying when I go to a Walmart and there's only one uh, cash register open. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. all these registers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> well, and that's just it. I mean, the, the the project that I'm trying to tackle right now, and um, and it looks like the city's really amicable to it, and uh, the mayor is amicable to it. So it's it's oh, kind man. of like, you know, when you have that type of that level on board with it, it now it's you know, chicken and egg, you got to get the people on board and make sure they're on board and develop those relationships, which is what you're very accustomed to, I can tell. And then it's a matter of, okay, let me make, do these numbers make sense? Now that I have their approval and I, I know what I'm expecting from planning and zoning and building and permits and right now it's like, okay, now put all the puzzle pieces together. <laughs> and so what I, I don't, uh, I, I'm assuming it has to be based off of each market because I don't want to speak for every market in the United States. Uh, so yeah. off my, my market, uh, you are able to get away with, let's just say the local rent is $800 for this two bedroom. Uh, and the market says, based off recently, you can go to $850. But generally, everybody can't really afford that $50 markup all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that I'm able to still put $850 because the the rental assistance program or the government is going to pay that 850. So there is profit still that you can still make good profit while still helping people out. You don't have to lower yeah. your, your rent all the way down to try to get somebody in if you use those programs. That's right. I, I, that's absolutely right. So, and, and those profits are not lost. Um, they're just not lost through those, through those means. No, I, I agree. Uh, this is this has been a this has been very refreshing uh, because I think that I don't want as we get further and further in, in our careers for people to kind of lose the reason why maybe or the purpose of why we're doing it or maybe even how impactful we really are. You're not just putting up pieces of wood and and a, and a roof and slapping on concrete. You're, you're providing a, a home for somebody. Uh, so, and I don't know about you, but I could tell when it's might put a little extra effort into a finish or into maybe the color of the door or the flooring and people, people, if you, if you make a place feel like a home, people will treat it like that. Oh, I've experienced that time. And again, I agree completely. And, you know, when people feel safe, secure, when they feel, you know, that they have something of value, they respond to the world in a different way. Sometimes yes, we all right. just need someone to believe. And someone might be listening also who, 
maybe they didn't even know that this was possible. And they, they were like, well, I was just going to do this because this is a great way to build wealth. And now, you know, now, you know, not only can you build wealth, but you can empower lives as well. Yes, because there's actually investors that I've been aware of that have gone years before they realized that they could do something like this. And they, every recession, they've just been biting a bullet, you know, or whatever, <laughs> or maybe based off the vacancy rate in their area or the income in the area, they've just been rolling with the waves of that area and not finding, adapting. And I think that's the cool thing about business in uh, anything. It doesn't have to just be real estate. It's not necessarily, the money didn't go anywhere. Like the money's still circulating somewhere. It's just you have to just adapt to where the money is. And then at the same time, like I said, we're helping other people. And so um, that's a cool, that's one of the cool things, the critical thinking, uh, things that I like about real estate or just business in general is just art, right, just to make, an, just making adjustments, but you still get to be you, you still get to do your real estate or whatever business that you like. That's right. That makes me think of uh, Michael Neal's book, Super Coach. He has this this one session, he doesn't call them chapters, it's called a session and it's uh, on finance and how to be financially independent and secure for the rest of your life. And it all has to do with how you're viewing and thinking about things. All right, I'm gonna have to write that down. It's really powerful. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to build my uh, my library uh, because as we, as I talk to, you know, different people that I interview or just basic conversation, uh, you'd be surprised where, you just pull an idea out of something that you read and uh, it applies to a situation like, aha, I'm going to use that on this situation. And it, and it works out. Oh, big time. I have a, I have a best books reading list that's on my website, but I'll, I'll shoot it over to you so that you can have it. Um, And it includes kids books as well. (laughs) And books that are on my reading list where I'm like, wait, I want it. The, the part where I want to read is like super duper long because it's always growing. Cause as you speak with people, they just add to that list. And the more you read, the more you open your mind. Oh my gosh, the world gets so big and so exciting. No, yeah. Reading should definitely not ever go out of style. Um, maybe it has gone to eBooks. I, I like paperback to be honest, but I think that I'm a paper, <laughs> uh, but I think that you will, you will stunt your growth if you stop reading. And if you ever think that you've got it all figured out and you don't need to educate yourself anymore, uh, then you've actually probably doomed yourself. Uh, it was a phrase I remember. Uh, oh, it was, a, it was a TV show that we watched called The Halston on Netflix, where the, uh, one of the guys that was a business guy, he said, the minute you started calling yourself like a genius uh, in your industry is when you stop growing. Because uh, at that oh. point, he started, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a genius. I don't need anything. I don't need to go by, you know, read or okay. read to do my research or anything. So definitely. Uh, Brendan Bouchard talks about that a lot in high performance habits. And he's like, he's, he puts in there a few different times. You know, when somebody is about ready to, to tank, when you start hearing these particular things come through them. Yeah. Awesome. And so with all this purpose and profit that we've been talking about, what is your big why? What's your rich state of mind? Yeah, so a lot of people, their big why is their family. And I, I feel terrible. I absolutely adore my family. I absolutely love my family. But really, my, my number one why is to just to serve God. I love God. He's been amazing to me in my lifetime. But by doing that, like serving others, empowering other people, you know, I have this, I feel like I have a very free life and, um, 
And I want other people to have that same freedom, freedom to be who they were created to be. I believe that we all have this like superpower within us. I, I kind of joke around that it's like Care Bears. I don't know if you Care okay. Bears might have been before you, but it's like you'd have Cheer Bear or, you know, you had all these yeah. bears and they had like this little <laughs> superpower that could shoot and radiate from them. I'm like, what, what if everybody just felt confident to where they could just share that with the world? Everybody is wearing these masks and they're hiding and they're trying to be someone they're not and they're conditioned by, you know, life circumstances. But what if everybody just shared their superpower? And really, ultimately, to do that, you have to figure, you know, you have to like come to this place. For me, that place is like harmony with, with Jesus. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have that you know, and, and other people find their harmony in in their other ways. And, but what would this world look like if instead of trying to deny ourselves and being these people that we're not, if we're actually true to who we were and shared that with the world. So all of this boils down to exactly that, like people who are safe and secure, like I write grants for a local nonprofit um, to build trails out in the wilderness. It's like, if you can just get connected and grounded, the best parts of you come out. And I think the world needs the best parts of everybody right now. Yeah, and I think there's the freedom in the fact that the position that you're in where you are able to think of how to help, right? No more about self and it's like, how can I replicate and help everybody else? And uh, there are people, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are lots and lots of people that are benefiting from you. Uh, you're, you're forgiving and very like gracious heart so it's pretty dope uh i love your energy julie you've been you've been awesome because you've been able to on a personal note you've been able to kind of pull my heartstrings with your thought process and how you invest and you know what your principles are and then also too for listeners you are the first person that i've actually interviewed that broke down syndication and uh i appreciate you uh, talking about that because this is something that um, a lot of people don't even know exists they just see oh okay, my gosh this building this building one man or woman must have spent 30 million by themselves and got this made this building built you know uh when yeah. that's not the case <laughs> it's very much not the case <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it's helpful and and feel free to edit this out but i actually did a breakdown of like apartment apartment investing made simple just so it's like these super nutshells the sun's starting to come through my window it's funny um so it's like just super succinct like five to 10 minutes max, like just breaking down these terms that people throw around that, you know, it's like everyone is smart enough to invest in apartments. It's just learning a little bit of new terminology and um, thinking outside the box a little bit. Uh, Where can people find you and your website? Sure. Just go to julieholly.com and you can find all things Julie Holly and you can find the podcast. You can find out about my investing. You can download the book list. And if you download the book list, then you'll automatically hop onto that um, apartment investing made simple. It'll automatically just drip into your email feed for, I think there are eight of them. Um, and it just keeps it really, really simple. Great way to learn. Awesome. Well, you've been a pleasure, Julie. I've Thank you. I wish the listeners, if y'all could see, uh, if you could see her right now, she's smiling because she has such a positive <laughs> energy. And those that are on YouTube, and I'm glowing. Honest, I'm glowing yeah, because it's hot in North you Idaho are literally for the first glowing. time. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a oh, great pleasure, uh, Julie. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a great time. I appreciate it.